Welcome back, everybody, to Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. You know we do a lot with NASCAR. NASCAR radio has been great to us. And this week's stop is the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And Hall of Famer Marcus Allen will be the Grand Marshal of the Pennzoil 400. Marcus, thanks for joining us. And is this your first time being Grand Marshal? Have you done this in another city back in the day? No, it's my first time. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about it, looking forward to it. Oh, this is going to be incredible. I mean, Marcus, you've been in front of big crowds before, but there is nothing like the speed, NASCAR, and especially, you know, the time you're going to get before the race, before drivers start your engine to meet the drivers and meet the fans. How much are you looking forward to this? Well, first of all, I love people, and I'm looking forward to uh, being out there on Sunday. I know it's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I know – a lot of race fans and football fans, too. So it's going to be, I think, fantastic. Uh, it's just great for Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm happy you said that, Marcus, because it, it's really, for me, when I got into NASCAR and the Daytona 500, it was what kept me going after Raider season and what got me through the off season. because so many race fans, as you said, are, are NFL fans, and they just like the excitement of being at live events. And you travel all over the country. What's it been like now interacting as masks are coming off? You're getting on airplanes. You do a lot of public speaking, and you have events like this where you can interact with fans. Uh, finally. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really depends on where you, you know, what part of the country you're in. I'm, you know, down in Georgia. We weren't as, uh, you know, restrictive as some other places and stuff. So um, I've always sort of interacted with people. Uh I just never believed in, you know, no matter what we're faced with and uh, avoiding, you know, our fellow man. And that's when we actually should, uh, you know, get together and, and, and support each other more than ever uh, when we're faced with such uh, uncertainty. Marcus Allen is kind enough to join us. Marcus, a lot's been happening. I want to talk about football in general before we get back to what you're going to be doing at this NASCAR race. It's been an amazing time for the Raiders, not only in Vegas, but the Hall of Fame. Coach Madden passed away. Your coach, Coach Flores, got into the Hall of Fame. I was with you there for that. And then one of your all-time great friends, Cliff Branch, got the nod. What was it like when you got the news about Cliff when you were in L.A. for the Super Bowl? Well, I was was extremely happy uh, and disappointed at the same time because I wished that he obviously would be alive to uh, enjoy this moment, you know, and I felt it should have happened. Um a couple of years ago, but it didn't, and it is happening. Uh, I will be there. Um, you know, I love Cliff like a brother. You know, he—I don't know if you know the story. We're, you know, we're supposed to be cousins, right? And I didn't find out later until um, <laughs> our playing days were over with. Cliff uh, and my dad always talked, and my dad said, "Listen, I think we're related." And Cliff said. Um, let me do some research. Cliff did some research and came back and said, guess what? We are related. You know, Hattie branches the connection uh, in taxes and stuff. And so, you know, he turned out, you know, not only to be my, you know, my, my roommate, uh, my rookie season, who I learned a lot from. We later find out that we're related. So I think nothing happens by accident. We were supposed to be together to eventually find out that reality. That is incredible. I mean, I believe in fate. And I, what was that like, Marcus, as roommates? Was there some type of vibe that you had, something special with Cliff Branch and he had for you, and then you start putting the pieces together and the DNA's something in common? That's a remarkable story. It, it, uh, it was instant, you know what I mean? We just, yeah. 
Cliff was just, you know, it, we, he was he was old school, and 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 yet he was, you know, he was always accessible. And matter of fact, I mean, really sort of took me under my wing and nurtured me, really gave me confidence. I mean, Cliff would always say, "Greatness, greatness." Even as a rookie, he would say that, right? And uh, that's how he would get my attention and stuff. I mean, so he had a lot of nicknames for me, but that was one of them, you know. So he always he had a way about building up my confidence and really giving me, uh, I think, the platform and the foundation to go out there and play. I mean, obviously, as a rookie, and you come in, you you know, your attitude should be, you know, respect all, fear none. But he certainly. Uh, you know, uh, as far as older players are concerned, I always had that respect. But get, Cliff really gave me fear nobody, Marcus. Go out there. You, you're capable. You're, you know, you're an incredible athlete. Just go out there and play. And that's what Cliff did every single day, elevated me by his words and by his actions and stuff. And so when you talk about the Hall of Fame and Cliff Branch, you know, going into it, I, I'm, you know, I feel like about damn time. Yeah, and Marcus Allen joins us. You know, Marcus, it's with the Raiders, and you have other teammates with Kansas City and other Hall of Famers that have to go on this journey and wait so long. And I just look back on Coach Madden's life when they did the documentary, and it was like he disappeared after 20 years. They forgot about him at the Hall of Fame. Then he gets in. We're both together at Coach Flores's. At one point, he's in a wheelchair. They made him wait that long, but he was such a beautiful spirit at that event. Ken Stabler passed away. Ken Stabler passed away before he got in, and then Cliff passed away. Just amazing that some have to wait so long on their journey when they're Hall of Famers. And I know that you were very passionate behind the scenes about Cliff Branch, your roommate, finally getting inducted. Well, let me tell you, I I mean, I believe believe in being fair, you know. And and there's a lot of uh, guys that are really, really deserving that may have played in the 70s that don't get the opportunity because they get overwhelmed by the numbers of today, by social media and all these other things, these external factors, instead of just looking at them as a football player. And at that particular time, when they only threw, you know, the ball an average of 15 or 20 times a game and to put a 500 and something receiving yards and, and still to be number four all time in, uh, you know, post-seeding, you know, season yardage uh, leading – I mean, it, it's really incredible, you know what I mean? And But then you have to look at there are guys that are in the hall, right, that have similar numbers, and you don't understand why. Why is it taking so long, right? And then you look at Cliff and his performance at the, you know, in Super Bowls, you know. I mean, he could have been the MVP in the Eagles uh, Super Bowl. You know, he had two touchdowns. Um, I mean <clears> – <throat> I mean, Cliff has been phenomenal. He just been, he, 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 and then he had a, you know, touchdown against the, the, the Redskins and stuff. So as far as postseason and regular season and changing the game and, you know, really sort of, you know, that, that small wide receiver that backed off those big guys and they were scared to death when he was out there. Um, Cliff was a game changer. Certainly made the game easier for me. Absolutely. Marcus Allen joins us. He'll be the grand marshal of the Pennzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway coming up this Sunday. As long as I've known you, I don't think I've ever asked you this because the NFL is at the Combine this week. And as you come out of college, a national champion, the Heisman Trophy winner, Walter Camp, unanimous All-American, you're taken in the first round in 82, the number 10 pick overall. I've never asked you, how how did you drop to 10? (laughs) Looking back at the mistakes that the nine teams made before you, 
can you give me a, a quick backstory of what you were thinking at the time? And did you think you were going to go higher? Did you think another team was going to draft you before you went number 10? Well, I thought I was the best uh, player in the draft. Yet, you know, other teams have obviously needs and, 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 and maybe felt differently and stuff. What, what I didn't understand was, I mean, if you call yourself a scout, you would actually say, okay, this guy's only played uh, running back for really two years. He's going to get better and better, right? But uh, they, they all thought, and, and nobody really did their research other than the Raiders and, and a few other teams that got calls from um, during, on draft day. Um, few teams, I mean, if, I mean, if you're really good at what you do, you would have, you know, you would have recognized that. And then that, um, I mean, not only I, I was, a, I was smart, I was a good athlete and um, certainly productive, but everybody sort of fell in line with, Oh, it's the USC line is the only reason. And I thought that was kind of crazy, but that's what most people thought. So they thought I would be just an average back and, I knew different. I, I was really in my infancy of, 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 of running back. Right. You know, I mean, people don't understand. You know, some guys have been playing running backs their whole year. I mean, their whole whole life. And I, I just started playing two years ago. And that's because of your high school playing quarterback and yeah, your athletic ability with that. I, you know, then I went there at the, uh, USC as a defensive back. And then uh, I stayed over there for a minute. Uh, everybody got hurt. Uh, behind Charles White, so they asked me to come over to need somebody to practice, and so I practiced a little bit, but I barely played, so I just saw myself as a special teams player my freshman year, and then Coach Robinson comes to me and said, Marcus, you're too good an athlete to sit on the bench. Would you mind playing fullback? Now, that's a completely different, you know, story. That's a journey uh, unto itself. That is, you know, that is that is not running the ball. That is a study in survival. <laughs> Especially Absolutely. if you're weighing 180-something, right? Taking on guys that are weighing 250. It's a big difference, right? So fullback is not playing running back. Yes, you do carry the ball. Yes, you do learn a little bit. But when you're actually, um, you know, eight yards deep instead of, you know, I guess four yards deep, it's a little, it's a little different. Marcus Allen joins us. So when you mentor young running backs, if a young running back comes up to you and you hear today in the NFL, well, we don't need to get a back early. We can get any back in the second or third round, and they're, they're not going to make it past their rookie contract anyway because of the wear and tear. What do you say to these young backs? Because it's completely changed in the era that you played in and even after you, and now I think the running back position is discounted more and more, and the league thinks we can get a running back at any time. Well, I, I think that's why you have to be really versatile and be able to do so many things that you make yourself uh, not expendable. Mm-hmm. You know, make them. You know, you can't. We can't do without this guy because he's able. He can do everything. He's good at everything, right? And so instead of going out getting somebody, uh, you know, to do this job or that job, we got a guy that can do all four better than anybody else. I mean, that's what you have to do. You got to be really versatile. Um, and two, I think you just got to really understand. Be a great understander of football. I mean, just sort of uh, understand the essence of the game. You got to understand schemes. You got to know it's not just running the daylight. Uh, it's so much easier when you know how the play is supposed to develop, and then you can obviously do all the things that just you know. That you, hopefully, your God-given ability uh, is you know. Um, but I, I think you got to be extremely smart too at that position. Um, I mean, there's, and there's, there's certain things you just can't teach about running back. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were to ask me, uh, 
what the hell I was doing. The honest answer was, I don't know. I just did it. You know. Yeah. And if you have a guy tells you <laughs> that tells you, well, uh, uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about that. He's full of it. Dude. Don't <laughs> you? You don't think it? Just it, it's reaction, and it happens. And most of the time, you're even amazed at what you just did. You know, Marcus, when I saw you at Tom Flores's Hall of Fame party, the party, and I introduced you, and you talked about Coach Flores let you do. He was the first back to let you do what you wanted to do. That really moved yeah. me that you had a coach. Can you expound on that where he just looked at you and said to you, do what you do so you could find yeah. the success that you found in the NFL? What was that like? Well, there was, there was a couple of things. There was, um, there was, I met Coach Flores at the, uh, the first and last Olympic Gold Bowl in San Diego. That was an all-star bowl game that they had. Um, it lasted one year, and then it was, it was over. But he was my coach there, and I think I just made one play coming out of the backfield, and I dove for it. I don't know, a long reception. It was a wheel route up the sidelines, and I dove and caught the ball, and I think I was really drafted based on that. So one, uh, and he, you know, he got to know me personally while I was there, so obviously uh, you know, getting drafted by them, he liked what he saw, and he liked who, you know, the, the person that I was. And so I always had this, um, this fondness for Tom because he believed in me, right? And and so, but it was also another coach too, uh, and, and his name was Ray Wilsey, and very few people remember uh, Ray. Um, but Ray was in a um, a deep, a, a rather a running back coach by trade. He was really sort of a, you know come from the defensive side of the ball, I think. And and so I think he never tried to sort of you know um, try to you know steer me one way or the other about running. Because I think he was pretty brilliant, and he saw that I could play. And he says, well, I'm just going to get out of his way. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that he has total freedom in the way he plays the game. Because he never told me, you know, he never used the word don't. He didn't say, Marcus, don't do this, don't do that, don't don't reverse field. He He never told me that stuff. He says, Marcus, now you can do all those things, just make sure. Just make sure you know the down and distance. Make sure you know the situation of the game. You know, he said, just make sure. So I never looked over my shoulder while I was playing, and then I also knew that Coach Flores had complete faith in me, right? Because he sort of switched things around when I got there. I don't think prior to me getting there, I don't think the I may be wrong, but uh, the, the Raiders were a uh, an eye formation team. They were really a far left, far right team. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, you know, he sort of, you know, we started, um, you know, start putting more affirmation. And so, I mean, which was right up my alley out of USC. I mean, I felt like I can do anything. I can go, you know, from far left to far right, or you can put me in, in the slot. You can do a lot of different things with me. So I felt like, you know, very, very comfortable, but he, he really put me, you know, in my comfort zone by switching that, you know, that formation that I had been, you know, um, grown accustomed to the last couple of years. So then I knew, I mean, I just knew that he had so much faith in me and stuff. And so I always wanted to reward Tom for, for, you know, his, his faith in me. And then I just, you know, I, I loved him as a person and stuff. He's a great, great guy, yeah. great coach. And then again, there was somebody else that, that I just believed like, why isn't Tom in the Hall of Fame? Right. You got, you got guys in the Hall of Fame with one, one Super Bowl. Absolutely. Ooh, We're wrapping it up with, yeah. 
We're wrapping it up with Hall of Famer Marcus Allen. Very generous with his time. The only player to have won the Heisman Trophy, an NCAA National Championship, the Super Bowl, the NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, College Football Hall of Famer, what, and Pro and Football Hall always, of Famer. You guys always miss Rookie of the Year. I got it. I, I got to throw no, Rookie of the it. Year in there. Yeah. Wow. I got it all. Well, you know, you got to say that. You got to say because you only have one year to get that award. You got to get it that year. That's the year you got. You got that's the year you, 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 you don't want. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't have a your sophomore year and get the rookie of the year. Absolutely. Hey, what do you think of SC and Lincoln Riley? I got a son at Oklahoma. He gets ripped out of Oklahoma. That's that's another story when I see you in person with Jamie. But what do you think? Of, <laughs> what do you think of Lincoln Riley now and what he's doing at SC and the level of players he's getting again? Well, I got a chance to meet him and uh, we'll talk to him on the phone and congratulated him to get in the job. And then we talked about just a few things. I never really tried to push my, you know, sort of thoughts, my expectation on things, but I just wanted to welcome him, welcome him to the university and told him we were excited to have him. And then I actually went up to uh, USC during the, uh, the week of the Super Bowl and um, had a chance to meet him in person. And it, it was just a, just got this great sense of um, they're in great hands. Uh, I think from a from a there, there's a plan there that's that's in place. Um, you know, they're not just sort of you know you know randomly choosing this or that or trying to you know throw stuff on the dartboard. I mean, there's a plan in place to rebuild that program, and I mean it's already started with all the uh, the transfers and stuff. But uh, as far as recruiting, I, I don't I don't think we're going to lose a lot of kids in our neighborhood anymore. Um, or out of Southern California, I think we're going to get a lot of kids to stay home. Um, I was just very confident in the things that he had to say, and I believe that uh, he's the right man for the job. Excellent. Marcus, last one with your schedule, your foundation, your charity work, the invitations you get to go around the country to Reggie Jackson's event or if it's another Hall of Famer. How do you manage that schedule when you think of your philanthropy and what you want to do with charity work and how to laser point that so you can do the most with the limited time you have? Well, it's really simple. Um, good people attract uh, good people, I think, you know. And, and, and most of these guys are my friends. So we're sort of like like-minded people. I've known Reggie forever, and I've always respected him. Uh, and what he's done, um, certainly on the field, and uh, he's done a tremendous uh, amount off the field. And, um, you know, he supports my event. You know, for example, Ronnie Lott, uh, Obviously, you know, like a like a brother to me, you know, his Ronnie's been involved in charity for a long time. So we're a bunch of guys that believe you're rich by what you give and poor by what you keep. We like to give back, but you 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 very seldom, or you, I mean, really not at all. I mean, you go to uh, events that really are hosted by good people. Fantastic, that's, Marcus. That's you were it. very. I mean, yeah. yeah, these are great guys, people. Uh, guys don't show up for bad people. That's for sure, and you're one of the best. You're going to have a blast at the Pennzoil 400. It's going to be a bucket list for you when you come out of that. The adrenaline when you get that crowd going and seeing that many people and the the loud engines and the race and the excitement and all the kids that you're going to be able to shake hands with. Thanks for doing this, Marcus. It's a big event. Thanks for cutting out some time for me. Really appreciate our friendship. Anytime, bro. You got it. Thank you. Marcus Allen, kind enough to join us. Wow. I mean, I think that was 16, 17, 18 minutes talking to one of the all-time greats. You like how he got Rookie of the Year in there? 
I mean, it's one of the greatest trophy cases in the history of sports. Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl 18 champ, Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, NFL Comeback Player of the Year, six-time Pro Bowler, NFL scoring leader, and then you get to college. A national champion, the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Award. These are individual trophies in a case, everybody. The Walter Camp Award, Pac-10 Player of the Year, a unanimous All-American, and in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. He's a very special guy. He's humble. He takes care of a lot of people. He does a lot of favors for his friends. And he's got a fraternity of Hall of Famers that look up to him because of the way he mentors younger football players and Hall of Famers. We appreciate Marcus Allen joining us. That was nice. Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Pennzoil 400. He's the Grand Marshal coming up this Sunday as we continue. This is Brick at Night on Mad Dog Sports Radio.